Shine your power and purpose with Aditi. Hi, I'm Aditi, and I created this podcast to inspire you to authentically live your dream life, stand in your power and let go of fears, and pursue your passion by taking aligned action. I'll explore topics around self-growth, mindset, courage, and shedding limiting beliefs to transform yourself. Hear from some inspiring people and their stories that will show you how to shine bright and step into your greatness. So let's get started and follow me on Instagram at Aditi Personal Power. Hello, hello everyone. I'm Aditi and I'm so excited for today's episode. We're going to be talking about living a life of alignment. And I am so thrilled to talk to Sadeshna today, a good friend of mine who's the Associate Director of Employer Relations and Career Services. She works with MBA students, but also she has a background in recruiting and she's focused on empowering people to tell their story. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Sadeshna, I want my listeners to learn more about you. What does living a life of alignment actually mean? Yeah, so I think it's, you know, it's different for everyone. But for me personally, living a life of alignment is when my actions and who I am um, at any given point in my life, which is always changing, um, but that they line up and that there is some degree of authenticity that is less about the authenticity that people see on the outside, but more about the authenticity I feel on the inside. Um, and, uh, you know, life is not a performance. Uh, it is to be present and lived in. And something I've kind of realized is, this line of who I am, no matter how much I grow, no matter what roles I play, um, that doesn't change necessarily. There's always a line, but I change my thoughts and I change my views on things all the time um, as I am somebody who's a sponge in the world and learning from other people and learning from my own mistakes. So to me, living a life alignment is as simple as all those things lining up and ensuring that I am living my most authentic life. Mm, That's wonderful. The very deep and really inspiring. I 100% agree with you. I think it's your thoughts, your processes, your actions that you engage in in an internal side to then show up authentically externally. So all the interactions that you have externally have to be a reflection of what you believe to be inside of yourself. So 100% agree with you. And so that got me a little bit curious because I remember you had told me that one of your missions in life is to help people and brands tell their unique story, which I'm sure has a lot to do with living in alignment. Can you share a little bit more about why you have this mission and um, why it's your passion? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I necessarily went into the world thinking that was my passion. I think a series of career opportunities aligned with um, my passion of writing and poetry kind of then inspired me to realize that the one thing I really love doing is giving people the space to live their best life, but also to be able to share their truth. Um, I am someone who myself loves hearing stories, which is why I love traveling so much. Um, I've been very lucky to live in two countries for a year, other countries outside of the U.S., um, to have moved 
about six times in my life to different areas. Um, so I am definitely someone who uh, believes the world to be a learning lab. And so um, when I have traveled, when I have met people, I realize that giving people the space um, and being open and having them be able to share their story is how like connections are formed. And I've learned a lot actually from other people. And so I think I've always chosen careers where I can empower people and companies to tell their unique story. And I think the key word of this whole thing is unique right, is we all bring mm. something to the table that is unique, like my story is not your story, that is not someone else's story. But I'm always looking for uh, what is that line that then drives all your decisions, like how what makes you you, what makes you tick. And I have found that we are more connected than we are separate. And I think that there's something very beautiful about taking a minute and a pause to be able to learn about someone else and actually encouraging them by telling them their story is important and valid and beautiful and that they should stand in it. Yeah, that's a beautiful point. And Sudesh and I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, the way that the world works is that we're all, imagine a tree with all these different leaves. Every single leaf has its unique imprint, but together they create the tree. So like you said, we're all connected, but that doesn't mean we're all cookie cutter the same. We're connected because of our diversity. So I think you beautifully put it and telling your unique story is so important. But at the same time, what I felt is a lot of people in their younger years have felt that they couldn't be unique because they always had to conform. So I want to hear about kind of your younger years growing up. Um, I know you had a, a general sense that it wasn't, you know, the way to always try to buy into what's considered quote unquote standards of life. So what does that actually mean? And, and can you just share a little bit about what that actually was all about for you? Yeah, um, obviously, I am Indian American. I grew up in this country. I am first generation um, in this country. And I think for me, growing up in the Bay Area was actually quite difficult because I was always very different than a lot of the people around me in what I was interested in. I was very into spoken word and poetry. Um, that is very kind of a different path in the sense of more of a creative than an academic. Um, my friends mostly were not also Indian um, either. And so that would big, be a big influencer um, on that. I was always very curious, like, as to how other people saw the world, how other people were living and doing life. And I actually felt actually that I had mastered my Indian <laughs> existence because I had been living it every day. Um, and so I, I, I have very much struggled with um, definitions being put on me and how to break outside of that. There was a lot of pressure, whether it was attending a certain college, whether it was getting certain grades, whether it was being interested in certain things. Um, and I kind of rebelled against that, um, for lack of a better word, um, and then didn't fit in yet wanted to fit in. And so I very much in my younger years, probably same as everyone else struggled with confidence and figuring out kind of why was I different and why wasn't there anyone else like me um, and, you know, how to break out of that till I went to college. And when I went to university, I chose a liberal arts school. I purposely chose a small school that no one from my high school would go to. Um, and I actually 
feel like there is when I finally kind of stepped inside of myself and said, okay, who are you really outside of everything people put on you? And I really like thrived and I flourished. And I think that was about being given the space to show up and say, this is who I am and not and not being told this is who you're supposed to be. Um, and so that it was it was very freeing for me to go to college because I was able to break the mold of that. Um, but I also had amazing mentors who did sit with me for hours and ask me like, who are you? And I had to finally kind of meet myself and ask that question. Um, I think when you're not given space to do that, it's really, really hard to even know that that's a question that is a valid question to ask yourself. And I think when you're younger, a lot of times people don't give young people in college or even, you know, in middle school and elementary school, the opportunity to really ask is all these things you're doing, are they, are you doing them for someone else? Or are you doing them for you? And how do they align with who you want to be? And who is it that you want to be? And more importantly, it's less about the happiness piece. I think we actually approach it wrong and say it's about, you know, we want you to be happy. But I think that it is more about what what makes you tick what like drives your fire what what do you get up in the morning for what really excites you that doesn't feel like work or doesn't feel like academic because you just simply want to know more um and that thing inside of you is the thing you should explore and in terms of getting paid for it i'm a career counselor by trade you can get paid for that fire it doesn't matter what that fire is and so i i think mm. i spend hours upon hours trying to empower people to break the mold that they have in their head that you first pick a career and and then and you pick an industry and you pick a degree and rather try to tell them that that thing that drives you whatever that thing is that doesn't feel like work can become work and you can get paid for it. Wow, that's amazing. And I agree with you on that. I think it's so hard for people to realize that your passion can actually become your, your business, right? Or your what your life purpose is. And I think a lot of that reason is you and I went to the same high school, so we can both resonate with this. But I think in general, high school is meant to help um, kind of groom you into a specific kind of person. And it's like, check all the boxes, take all the classes, do all the things. And so you really are trying to build this cookie cutter approach. And what you're saying is what I'm hearing is you have to get messy. You have to get messy from an early age to understand what is it that lights you on fire? Because until you do that, you don't know because you haven't done enough self-exploration. And I think right. you say that and like, you know, when you went to the university and you started reinventing yourself, that happened because you had all this exposure to all these ways of self-exploration. So 100% agree with you. I think it needs to be done sooner. And I'm so pr proud that I'm a friend with somebody who's actually trying to help people at a younger age try to do that. So speaking of that, actually, um, I know that you have, just like everybody else, things that you wish you had known you were young when you were younger. What are some of those types of things that you wish you had known from like an empowering angle? Yeah, um, I wish I had known that it was okay to live your life intentionally um, as you choose. I wish I had been more confident. You know, every young, uh, older person will say this to a younger person that, 
it, it somehow works out. You bumble around and it, you become a person at the end of this and it works out. Um, and there's no way of knowing that, right? Because everyone around you makes it seem like you're falling off the side of a cliff if you don't do it this way in a specific way. And so I think that time gives you some of that experience gives you some of that um really exploring that thing that is going to shift your mindset whether it's i think for me every time i've traveled that's been a huge shift in mindset every time i've had a conversation with someone completely random that doesn't represent my friend group and is a little potentially crazy and not someone i would have thought i would have been friends with it's every single time i've done the off kilter thing that that has made me extremely uncomfortable. And that is when, to me, I shift. And so I tend to now have a personality that is still just as rebellious as I was when I was younger, but really in rebelling, running towards the thing that is the most uncomfortable. And a perfect example of that, I always tell my students about this idea of networking. So what is networking? This idea of building a relationship, but not a relationship of particularly intention, meaning I want to work at a company I, and I'm going to aim to meet someone at that company, but rather going into the world to create a series of relationships, not knowing where they will go and, and discovering it and unfolding it along the way. And so for mm -hmm. me, I think, you know, going out in the world and having interactions and trying things insert blank on things, go looking at butterflies, joining a walking group, whatever it may be. That is how you shift. And that is how you repurpose. And that is how you realign. Um, and, and, and I tend to, you know, want to scare myself every single day, uh, once a day, and I want to shock myself once a day. And I never want to be stagnant in that. And I think that's what makes my intentional living is that I know that shock and uncomfortableness and shifting my mindset is actually imperative to me growing as a person. Mm. And so my suggestion to people, even when they're younger, is do those random things that seem random that you feel a little too tired to do or don't necessarily see how it would get you into the best college, um, do those things if you want to do them. And if you feel a need to do them, and if you feel like I'm interested in doing them, don't worry so much about a what everyone else says. But don't worry, like your competition is with yourself, is how can you shift yourself? And how can you scare yourself? And how can you shock yourself? And how can you win against yourself? And so your competition is not other people. It is with yourself. Um, because mm -hmm. ultimately, I wish someone told me I was younger, when I was younger, that you're going on this journey with yourself. That ultimately, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're married, you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, or you go to college with your friends. It's a very singular lonely journey in which you always come back to meeting yourself and always coming back to realigning and making sure you yourself are okay, you know? And I think that I w if I had known that when I was younger, I would have spent less time on the outside of myself, looking at what everyone else wanted me to be and more time inside of myself, really focused on who I wanted to be. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think a lot of this stems from the idea of self-love, right? I think as you get older, you start realizing or start appreciating the things about you that you first rejected. And um, almost to the extent that you start, if you look at older people, they sometimes behave in, in a similar fashion to the way children behave because children are actually in the most loving versions of themselves at that point in view. And so as you get older though, you start realizing that and start appreciating that. And then finally you feel empowered to take the decisions and actions that you truly wanted to do but you couldn't before because you were not listening to your intuition, which I don't know about you, but I had such a hard time listening to my intuition growing up as well, because I had, had lived so many years of learning to block that out. So it's so hard to reawaken that. But like you said, the more you start experimenting and start loving yourself and opening up and listening to your heart more, you can start actually learning to guide yourself and get to the location you need to go and surrendering everything else up to the universe. So Love that. Love that point. And then I know you had a few more tips also for, for your students that you share. Would you be able to share some of them? And as, as our listeners would like to learn, how can you live in alignment and more authentically? What are some specific actions you can take? Yeah, I think one of the great things is I worked at a company where um, while I was at orientation, a big reason why that company got built is because someone wrote an idea down on a napkin. It became all this, all these things around me. And I think that was, that perfectly captures something that people should be doing every day, which is you have an idea, write it down, write on a napkin, scribble it on your phone, whatever it may be, write it down. Um, and then every single day do something towards that idea right and and i it sounds really duh like of course like that makes a lot of sense however you would be surprised how many ideas or dreams go through your head and simply because they're not written down and simply because you don't look at it every day and work towards it how many times those dreams die um, and fade or are forgotten and so i think that's one of the things i think the second thing is is meet as many people as you possibly can. There is never a bad conversation, a wrong conversation, a terrible conversation. There is no such thing as networking intentionally. I'm, I believe that the unintentional networking is the one that will give you a lot more um, outside of even a job search. And so I tell people, you know, I, I not everyone is a type A personality like you and I. Um, and so it is very hard for people to do that. But whether it's a weekly goal of being able to talk to one new person a week outside of yourself, whether it's a call you're scheduling, um, just make sure you do those things to kind of expand your circle and your universe and your thought process. Because I mean, being challenged it, it, the only way to do that is not surround yourself with people who are exactly like you, you know, and I think the more we stay in our communities and stay in our group that represents who we are and stay in our friend circle with our same thought patterns or our same political views, um, the more we struggle to be able to debate issues and be able to come somewhere in between. Um, and, and coming somewhere in between is 
and being able to stand for the right thing. All of that comes from being educated. But what is the thing about education? The thing about education is you're learning about different ideas. And that's what makes somebody educated. So it's less about the degree or it's less about what school you went to. Um, and so I spend a lot of time educating myself, whether it's reading, whether it's speaking to people, whether it's going, wow, secretly I was wrong. I don't feel like admitting that to anyone, but in my head, um, I was wrong about that or I changed my view on that and allowing a lot of alliance to be like, wow, I was, I was completely wrong. I wouldn't say the same thing I said five minutes ago anymore. And that's been a change moving forward. And I think people don't give themselves the opportunity to be wrong and they don't give themselves the opportunity to step outside of themselves because it's uncomfortable and because it's easier in the bubble. And I think anything yeah. you can do to kind of shift out of the bubble is how you can actually align your life to your thoughts because none of us are the bubble. All of us are outside of the bubble and all of us are going to spend a lifetime being unhappy, trying to fit in some mold or bubble. So any time spent outside the bubble is a good thing. Yeah, I so true. This is so true. And I think this circles back to the point you said earlier, which is writing down your thoughts. In order to write down thoughts that truly light you up, you have to expose yourself to new ideas, new people, new processes, new things. I think that's why you said travel is so important for you. And so writing down a thought is not only the act of discipline, right? Making sure that you actually engage on the thought that you had versus just letting it go in one ear and out the other. The other thing is that, does this thought continue to resonate with you? Has it changed since the time that you first looked at it because you've been exposed to new ideas? Sometimes you build off a thought. And so writing it down is so important. I, I so agree with you. I, I think that journaling and writing and writing on your phone is also important, but even journaling, like the actual act of writing something on paper, I don't know about you, but it feels so powerful. Yeah. I think you said it something along the lines of like, write it and put it in the universe, right? I love that statement. And I and I wonder if it has anything to do with manifestation. I know you and I read a lot of the same books. So I just wanted to have your thoughts on that. If, if there's any, you know, that procl proclamation that you're making on paper, how, does it go out to the universe? Like, what are your thoughts around that? I think it holds accountability. So I think something that happens oftentimes is that we aren't able to hold ourselves accountable unless I mean, that is the function of social media. So the reason we post our kind of workout stories is to be like, hold me accountable for tomorrow. I need to work out, you know? And so I think that there's some degree of accountability that you have to have through other people, but it's very fleeting when it's through other people. And when it's to yourself and it's a letdown of yourself, that causes issues in every aspect of your life. You know, it causes issues as, a wife, a partner, as a daughter, um, it, it makes you feel unmatched and out of alignment. It makes you feel like there's something wrong, but you can't identify it. It makes things feel forced. It makes you feel like you're not living your best life. And all of that has everything to do with not really being feeling empowered to put something in the universe and own it. Because a lot of times people don't want that accountability, because what if, it doesn't work out? Or what if you fail? What if you fall flat on your face? And there's just a lot of fears in the what ifs. 
but I love falling flat on my face. Like I've done it publicly and privately many times um, before, (laughs) um, because obviously if you're someone who tries a bunch of things, you're going to screw up on a bunch of things. And I'm totally beyond okay with that. Um, And I don't know how you become someone who's okay with that, or I can't necessarily pinpoint a moment where I became okay falling flat on my face. But I guess I always know I can stand back up. But how else do you know that unless you have done it enough times. You've fallen enough times and you've gone, hey, it's not the end of the world like I thought it was. Or that one person that laughed at me, like it didn't matter a year later. Or no one really noticed nor cared as much as I thought they did. Just like I don't really notice or care what they're doing that much, you know? And so it's it's really about, you know, conquering your fear and that sounds like such kind of bs or cliche but in conquering your fear that is that is about trying a bunch of things out and being willing to screw up and fall flat on your face and and eventually learning that you don't need to apologize for it love that and yeah i agree with you i think the mindset shift that you have to make and this comes from practice i think as well is the more you do that, the more it becomes like muscle memory. So it's no longer an issue for you. For example, like you said, you used to do poetry and used to actually do the open mic nights and go out there, right? And so going on stage and doing it the first time, oh, that's scary, right? There is, that's why it's called stage fright. Do it a dozen times, do it another dozen times, it becomes muscle memory. And so it's more of a habit or a practice, including the fear part that just becomes part of the ritual. And so it's no longer, you don't see it as fear. You just see it as just part of the practice. Right. So I think there's something so powerful in there and what you were saying earlier. And I think people do need to realize that it's, it's okay to mess up. And in fact, um, feel empowered to mess up. Right. So I, I love that point. Um, in fact, speaking about feeling empowered to mess up, a key message that comes up a lot is when you want to live a life of, an, of alignment, you have to overcome limiting beliefs. And there are huge limiting beliefs to being the most authentic version of yourself. And what I'm noticing is the key message in there is that at the end of the day, you just have to become vulnerable to be that authentic version of yourself. So how do you become vulnerable? Like what were some things you may have done to just become more authentic and vulnerable? I think, you know, finding that core group of people who know who you are, um, that's kind of where it starts. Because if I have my core group, um, in my case, it's probably my husband, who's, I consider my best friend, but for him, it, I can screw up without, it coming back against me necessarily. I can, I can authentically be myself. I can grow. I can, the train can move two different directions for a couple days without it necessarily making us feel like we're going two different directions. And so for me, I think it's, it's this idea of intentionally picking the people in your life that are around you and intentionally living uh, and surrounding yourself with people that you find authentic, magnetic, accepting, um, all of these things. And so brave, 
Um, and so I think that that is really hard to do when you're younger, when you're trying to figure yourself out, um, and you get it wrong a lot of the times, but as you get older, um, hopefully because you know who you are, you're able to surround yourself with people. You don't have to apologize about like who you are, you know, and that makes me feel personally very confident in that I can go out in the world because, hey, if I completely screw up or I'm feeling unsure, I can go back to my home base and I'm going to be completely accepted with open arms. And so, um, yeah, so I think that would be kind of my answer with that is that I feel that it is about truly surrounding yourself with people who accept you for who you mm -hmm. are. And then also realizing that every single person around you has a story to tell. Everyone has their own insecurities. Um, and so mm -hmm. get like knowing that no one, there is no imposter syndrome. There's the feeling of imposter syndrome, but that's exactly what it is, is it's, it's a feeling versus the reality is no one is perfect. Uh, no one like came to the table with like necessarily, you know, knowing how to do this life thing more than you. And I think the minute you realize that it is easier to go out in the world and be like, even if someone on paper looks a certain way, like I would kind of want to know more about, you know, what are the things that make them tick? What are they insecure about? And I can probably figure that out. I mean, in, I'm a people person. I do this career thing for a living. And so I spend a lot of time getting to know people's goals. Um, and in knowing their goals, there's always a reason they're trying to change jobs or pivot. And usually that that has to do with family, that has to do with something they wanted for themselves, that has to do with their background. So I always try to get to the core of their story. And I think that's another tip I would say is the more you can get to the core of someone's story. So if you're at a work related event, like stop freaking talking about work. Like who cares? Like try to get to know the person like for who they are, because ultimately that drives the work that they do that drives this aspect of themselves and it's going to drive how they are a teammate and how they collaborate and everything else. And so um, just, I think that kind of, kind of comes with the thinking outside the box piece of it. Yeah, that's a really good point. In fact, when you think about how people feel so shameful about sharing something about their, their past or that they're not this enough, not that enough, all of these are limiting beliefs, right? There's a certain amount of shame around a specific part of their life story, when in fact it is the life story oftentimes that is the most interesting thing about that person. And I think that's what you're saying. It's, we, you know, wh whether it comes to resume building and the career counseling that you provide to people or just the authentic conversations that you're having with people, the true connection comes once you start becoming vulnerable. Right. And that's when you start living in alignment. That's when you start actually sharing your more authentic version of yourself to other people. And you were like, you were saying you, you want to be around people who you're magnetically attracted to. The only way you can get that magnetic attraction to people is once you start being more authentic. So they know who you really are. So I love that. And I think just learning to let go of what people think of you ends up being such an important part of the story. And that's what helps you live in alignment. I know you have done that a lot. I think it's really important that other people continue to do that. Um, no one person's brand is the same ever. And that's because they're the real brands out there are the ones and this is like people brands, but even company brands, they're the ones who have been much more authentic and have showed up in and sharing their their raw stories. Right. So um, 
I love that. And I know that you and I read a lot of the same books. I know you've also read Brene Brown. Um, she's such an inspiration in this space. Um, yeah, any thoughts around her? I feel like the whole story about vulnerability really, I at least got excited about when I started reading her work. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one thing I really like about her is beyond just the vulnerability piece. It's, it's not this self-help, like, ethereal kind of untouchable thing it's like she's is very much human she is a mother she's in a family and sometimes she curses and that is the reality of your like kind of someone's imperfect self that I think connects with more women people like Elizabeth Gilbert or Brene Brown Mm -hmm. um, with the understanding that there is some degree of privilege and race um, there with self-help authors that we must consider or must take into account. Um, I love, there are a lot of books I read by women of color. Um, For me, potentially I relate more um, to those books. Uh, But I think the biggest thing about this idea or word vulnerability is that it is a word that is on you to figure out how to be vulnerable and it is not about other people being vulnerable and in that sense although you know I wouldn't consider I would say I'm a spiritual person not necessarily a religious person I would say that I love the way like Buddhists think in some ways because it's this idea of like what is within your control to do and versus what is within kind of outside control to do. Um, And it is not about changing everything else around you, but rather changing yourself. And so I think of vulnerability as a practice and an exercise and a way of living that is you in competition with yourself is how do you pick what to share and who to share it with? How do you pick uh, you know, how to walk through the uncomfortable, how do you, um, you know, if you're uncomfortable, how do you like literally hug the tree of your uncomfortability, um, and work through it? And then how do you, when you fall flat on your face, do so with grace? And I think those are kind of all things that as I get older, and as I'm slowly transitioning to becoming a mom in the next three months, um, I'm starting to ask myself, how can I, teach my kid those things? How can I teach them to process emotion in a vulnerable space? It becomes even more important because I'm having a Mm. little boy. Um, And so giving them the language to be able to feel that they can have uh, emotion and to feel that they can kind of uh, figure out how to process that emotion in this space and that it is appropriate to process emotion. Um, it is okay to talk about emotion. It is okay to cry. It is okay to feel upset or unsure. And so I'm really thinking through a lot of these concepts again with a new pair of eyes. Um, but I, I, I know what kind of parent I think I want to be. And I keep saying, I think I want to be because everybody will tell you you're going to do it all wrong, of course. And I expect that. And I don't think that there's anything (laughs) more vulnerable than having a mirror pointed back at yourself 
where you have such an opportunity to completely screw up another human being <laughs> um, with your own stuff. Um, and so I'm actually really rehabbing a lot of these conversations now with myself about my own vulnerability and what I want to share with my kid and authority figures and what that looks like and then how to teach vulnerability to a little boy. That's beautiful, Sadishna. That's so beautiful. I so resonate with what you're saying. And by the way, congratulations on <laughs> being a mother and um, that uh, you're having a boy. That's wonderful. And I love that you're trying to do intentional parenting and making sure that your child can show up in the most authentic version of themselves, because you're right, like as a kid, you are the most authentic version of yourself. And it's usually society and circumstance that changes you and even parenting. So you looking at yourself in the mirror is helping you assess whatever things you want to work on within to ensure that you become the best version of the parent that you are. So um, I think you've answered this for me, but I'll ask you anyway. Um, how do you see yourself in your in the future as a mother and as a and how do you identify as a partner today? Yeah, I think, um, you know, what works for me isn't necessarily the recipe that works for someone else. I'm, I'm very lucky. And I always say this, the smartest thing I ever did was probably, like, you know, at least find like a partner who there's a degree of friendship there that allows room to grow and change. Um, I think, both of us as people are growing and changing. And as we're on this new journey, that journey aligns because we're trying to raise a human being. Um, but I very much know that I am a separate person outside of this relationship that doesn't define necessarily who I am. It is a large part of who I am. It's a large part reason for the work that I do on myself. Yes, but it definitely does not like define me that outside of me, I can tell people exactly who I am. Um, and you would have never known I was ever married, you know, for example. Um, but I, I think for me, um, you know, the future, I, I think there's a lot of unknowns now being, you know, a parent and not knowing what that's like and not pretending to know what that's like. Um, but knowing that it's going to be a very exciting journey in which I'm going to learn even more about myself and I'm going to get even more wrong and I'm going to be even more uncomfortable. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see kind of who I become at the end of this. It's very open-ended. So. That's amazing. I love it. I love your optimism around the uncertainty. I think we need more of that. I think people will definitely resonate with your message here. It's all play, right? Everything is play. All the mistakes are just imagine you're on the playground, just figuring things out. So as a new parent, as as a new mother, as all, all the newness that you're going to experience, I'm so, so excited for you. So so Deshna, I had such an amazing time chatting with you. I always enjoy our heartfelt conversations. Um, for you and for me to connect at this level is such a pleasure. So just saying, wishing you all the best. Thank you. I'm sure our listeners are really learning a lot from you about living a life of alignment. And uh, for more details about this podcast and this episode, uh, please check out my Instagram handle at Aditi Personal Power. Please drop your rating and your comments as you like it. And um, that's about it. All right. Thank you for having me.